Sponsor CBT Nuggets is IT training for IT professionals and anyone looking to build IT skills. If you want to make fully operational your networking, cloud, security, automation, or DevOps battle station, visit cbtnuggets.com slash cloud. That's cbtnuggets.com slash cloud. Welcome to Day 2 Cloud. Today, you've got Ned and Ethan, and we're going to talk about a few different things. Ned's got some AWS uh, courses that he's going to tell you about that you can find up in Pluralsight. We're going to talk about that stuff. And then uh, Ned and I are going to get into, well, we've had some experiences in our career about being a manager, whether or not we should have done that. And, uh, and we have opinions because uh, Ned and I at our core, I think, are more on the engineering side of things, but we've both dabbled in tech lead and manager kind of roles as well and, uh, and have some stories if case you're sitting there in that individual contributor role and wondering if you should make the leap to manager. We got stories, Ned, don't we? We do. Or alternatively, you have accepted a manager's position and you're like, oh, what did I do? Is this is this the right fit for me? Have I made a horrible, horrible mistake? So I think we'll be able to provide some perspective on both sides of that. And then we actually have a future show planned where we're going to have a couple guests on to talk more about their experience making that transition. And I think both of them have actually done it successfully. So you and I yes, will be the yes. oopsie daisy and they'll be the, hey, thumbs yeah. up, I made it. <laughs> Okay. But first, now let's talk about your troubleshooting course. You've got some new content up on Pluralsight. So you are a Pluralsight author. You're fairly prolific. Uh, Lots of courses up there. What are these latest offerings you've created? Yeah, man. Actually, I had to look at how many courses I produced in in, uh, the last 12 months because I'm going to be presenting on one of those for a Microsoft MVP uh, thing. But I have eight courses I've made in the last year. These are just the two most recent. I know it's a little ridiculous. Uh, The two (laughs) courses are around. There's a new version of AWS's SysOps Administrator Associate Level Certification. This is version two of that certification. So they've updated a lot of the content in it, and they've also added a practical element to the exam. So instead of it being straight multiple choice and fill in the blank all the way through, now you're actually going to be dropped into a UI or a command line and asked to achieve some sort of task. So this is AWS changing their testing methodology to being something, again, less theoretical and more practical with the, you know, show me you have the skills and you know where to go and how to click on the thing and such. Precisely. It's something that, you know, if you've taken the CKA exam or any of those Kubernetes exams, you'll already be familiar with this idea of being dropped into a shell environment or a console and, hey, here's a task you need to achieve. Click the button when you're done the task. Now, those exams are pure practical. This is going to be a combination of the multiple choice standard test and then also these practical tasks you have to accomplish. So let me get an opinion from you on the AWS test. I'm going to compare this to something I'm familiar with from the Cisco world. In the Cisco realm, the tests have gotten uh, more and more difficult with increasingly large and increasingly obscure question pools over the years. And there's been a shift to some more practical stuff. But it, a lot of that was tied to the fact that the, the tests are brain dumped to death. Yes. And so if you know where to go, and it's not real hard to find, you can find question databases that in many cases are exactly what you would see on the <laughs> test. And so Cisco has <laughs> been working super hard to stay ahead of that, which makes it for people that aren't cheating their way through the exams, it makes it super 
super hard to get through the exams and actually pass the dumb things. Are we getting there with AWS too? Is that part of what's happening here? Or are they just trying to do a better job of testing candidates? I think it's a little bit of both. I think the brain dump thing is definitely a problem. And there's one or two ways to deal with that brain dump issue. One is to make the questions, as you alluded to, ever more esoteric and difficult. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to foil those people. And really what it comes down to is once you've asked all the basic stuff, now that's in a brain dump somewhere, the only direction to go is more specific and more weird stuff that, that no one's going to know, <laughs> yep. right? AWS, I don't think, wants to go in that direction. So the other direction you can go is, hey, you can't get a brain dump for practical skills. So we're going to ask you to accomplish a skill. And guess what? Even if you find out what the task is ahead of time and practice it and learn it, you learned it. <laughs> so it's yeah. actually useful yeah. as opposed to memorizing a whole list of questions, which is of you know, uh, less utility in the real world. <laughs> uh, that was my feeling on a lot of the Cisco stuff. I, at, at the end of my Cisco test-taking career, it's been a few years since I've taken a Cisco exam. The questions were so esoteric. I was taking exams that were focused on routing and switching. I got so few questions on routing and switching because they were diving into all the peripheral uh, kind of corner cases that you'd have to understand in unusual circumstances. Like, I don't... I've never even used that feature. Why are they? I got six questions on whatever it was, something really odd. And, uh, you know, go back, study, 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 and, and come back to the test, fail it again, because I got six other questions on some other obscure thing. It just drove me a little nuts. Mm -hmm. So to hear that AWS is not going in the direction of esoterica, let's trivia them to death, and uh, is keeping it practical, even with that caveat of, okay, we know you might have, quote unquote, cheated, but if you learn the skill, you learn the skill. So good. Right. I, exactly. I like that philosophy. That makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, and, and Microsoft is doing the same thing. They're adding a practical element to their exams as well. Uh, it was in beta last year, and I'm not sure what the status is right now, but I'm probably going to have to take some soon. So we'll see. <laughs> it yeah. does. Uh, it makes me. It makes me happy to see that they are moving to that because. The availability of being able to add a practical element has been there for quite some time, especially for anything cloud related. It's not like it has to run a virtual machine in the lab center to let you do it. It's like, no, you just connect into the cloud in a sandbox like this is not it's not super difficult, right? Yeah, I'm glad to see they're doing that. The, the courses that I've put together, I put two. So there's a whole learning path for the certification, and I didn't do all of the courses in the learning path. I did two of them, and they're both around troubleshooting networking issues. So, uh, as you know, things go wrong. <laughs> yep. You misconfigure things. You miss a setting. And uh, ultimately, you want things to be able to talk to each other over the appropriate ports uh, with the right protocols. How do you troubleshoot when something goes wrong? That is what my two courses are dealing with. Uh, you know, focusing on DNS, DHCP, uh, the way that you connect various VPCs together, how do you use CloudFront? So it's really all around those types of troubleshooting issues that you're going to encounter when you're working on AWS. So how do you assemble your modules? Do you look at the AWS blueprint and just kind of come up with how to cover that? Do you go in and take the exam to kind of get a sense of what AWS wants you to know? How do you, how do you put all of it together? Hey, it's a little bit of both. The first one is I do, you know, take the exam if it's available. To, to make sure I understand what the content is and what I'm going to be tested on. And the other one is they do have a list of objectives and things inside those objectives you should know. And I build the course around that, plus just my own experience using AWS and knowing what can go wrong 
and hey, here's uh, here's how you troubleshoot that thing. And they actually have a bunch of new cool tools uh, built into the console that you can leverage if you're trying to troubleshoot connectivity issues. It'll actually test the whole path for you. So it's like, hey, awesome. Thank you for putting that in there. <laughs> Hopefully you have access to that during the exam. So for these troubleshooting exams related to networking, give me, give me an opinion on level of difficulty. I mean, this is an associate level exam, so it's not meant to be, you know, really tricky or really difficult. It's more going to be, hey, did you configure the security group right on the right port to allow the traffic in? It's not going to be more complicated than that. They're not going to get deep into setting up BGP AS numbers for connecting things over a direct connect with a VPN connection on the side for failover. Like, it's not going to go that deep. <laughs> That's a totally different exam. This is more just understand the core concepts and be able to apply those core concepts when something is not working properly. So if you can do all that, you'll be good. So as we continue our shameless plug, Ned, um, I've got to be a Pluralsight member to get a hold of these courses. Is that right? That That is correct. You do have to have a membership to Pluralsight. You can sign up for a free 10-day membership, or I actually have some 30-day risk-free, no credit card required passes available. So if you are listening and you reach out to me on Twitter and I still have some left, I've got about 20 of them. Yep. Hit me up and I will send you a code and you can use that to take my courses or anything that you want on the platform. With your easy to remember Twitter handle at Ned 1313. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's stuck in my head now because it's weird. It is not easy to remember, but yes, at Ned 1313. <laughs> you told me the story about how you gave yourself that handle at one point. It made it made sense in some context. Some context. Well, Ned, I I've been looking at the Polaris site subscriptions. At some point, I got to get in there and and sign up. But my problem is just time management, where I'm so busy. It seems like all right, I want to take some courses, but. Uh, to, uh, to commit to the Pluralsight subscription to get access to all the content. That content library is intimidatingly huge, by the way. I don't know why <laughs> I say intimidatingly. It, it's it's awe-inspiringly huge. How about that? Is, that? is that a better word? I think that's better. Nope. Yeah, we, we'll go with that. <laughs> Between your content and all the other content that's out there from so many authors, there's a ton of stuff up there. Anyway, I'm not trying to turn this into a Pluralsight commercial. But um, well, let's move into the, the management conversation, Ned. Let me tell you a story. Um, I had a role where I was working for state government. I was a, a network engineer, and I don't know if someone left or vac you know, vacating a position or what happened, but I had this thought that it's like, I, I'm ready to, to manage. I, I'm the guy that seems to know most of what's going on. Technically, I got a real strong handle on all this Cisco stuff that I'm doing and uh, I understand the network I'm working on. I've been working on it for a few years at that point. So, ma yeah, management, right? Isn't that the next logical step? It's just the natural progression for any career, right? You just right. naturally move into management. Right. Uh, and I guess, so I was I was young-ish, I think. I was in my late 20s or early 30s. I'd have to look at a resume or something and figure out exactly when I was there. But as I was about that age and in my mind, it's like, that seems like the right thing to do. My idea of managing the team was really more like tech lead. I'm going to mm -hmm. be the one who basically can set policy and this is what we're going to buy. And this is the protocols we're going to use and, you know, and all of that, which had nothing to do with what the job actually was. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that at the time. And the guts of the story, Ned, for me was I leaned into my boss and my boss's boss 
pretty hard and said, I, I want this role. I, I want this role. I, and they told me, both of them, you don't want this role. <laughs> it's not who you are, man. You're an engineer. You love the nerd stuff. You you think you know what this role is, but you you don't. We don't think you're. We don't think so. They but they wouldn't tell me no. And at, at some point, they're like, "Okay, okay, you're, we're going to let you do it. Um, we think you'll be sorry, but we're going to let you do it." And okay, and so I did. I took on the role. It was in state government um, positions are very regimented by labor grades. And my labor grade went up a little bit. I got a little different of a salary. That was nice. And I took on the role thinking, again, more like a tech lead. But that wasn't the role. The role really, truly was a lot of meetings. Our group's function within state government was to supply networking to all the other departments. We were like a kind of a central IT group with a focus on networking. So some agencies got a little office on some street in some neighborhood, got to get them connected to the state network somehow or another. That was that times hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of locations scattered around all over the place mm-hmm. and supporting all the other departments. Okay. A lot of meetings, a lot of like coordinating with, at the time, Verizon was our big telecommunications provider. So having logistical meetings with them and helping RFPs to get written and having meetings with vendors and having a lot of meetings internally and then having standing regular meetings with other people that needed to be coordinated with. Dude, I was at a lot of meetings and uh, how much nerd stuff. I I wasn't doing any nerd stuff anymore. I like it all. I would have people on the team come to me when they needed help with something and I'd give them direction and, oh, here's how you troubleshoot that VPN tunnel and, oh, that routing's down. Go check this circuit. Call this person. They probably have the answer. But other than that kind of stuff, just kind of pointing people in the right direction, I didn't have much time doing the things I was best at and the things I enjoyed the most, making routers and firewalls and switches sing and dance and do their thing. I was the meeting guy. and I. Hated it. I really <laughs> did. I, 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 ah, it, it didn't happen overnight. It was some months before I got to a point and realized I hate my job. I really don't like this at all. I, and it wasn't just being in meetings all the time. There was another aspect to the management stuff, Ned, for me. I had a bunch of people that now I was the you know hierarchically in the chain of command where I was their manager was responsible for things like coordinating vacations and doing reviews and helping people with their careers if they wanted to advance and all of that kind of stuff. I was just you know between the administrative stuff which was tedious and the mentoring stuff which I was pretty young to be in that kind of a role. It's like oh. I'm not suited for this. So to to make the story a little little shorter, I went back to my boss and went, I don't want to do this. And then she's like, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. She sent me to my boss's boss, and I went into his office to have that meeting, and he let me have it. He was mad. Dude, he was upset. I, there's been a few times I've been in manager's office and got reamed out for whatever, but, um, you know, deservedly so in, in every case. So many more stories I could share. But uh, this guy, he was like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Okay, well, what did that mean? And as I look back on it now with, uh, you know, a couple of decades in, in hindsight, I had committed to fulfill 
an important role within the state government organization and then told them, I don't want to do this anymore. Yep. So he was now in a situation of, I was counting on you. You said you would do this. The role was a big deal. And you're telling me you don't want to do it after I put all this trust and faith in you to do it after I warned you, you don't want the job. Oh boy. He was mad. I walked out of that office feeling embarrassed, um, mm-hmm. upset with myself, um, not really taken aback that he let me have it. Cause I guess I kind of knew that was what was coming because they told me I didn't really want the job, but I had to go through that experience to understand that that management role wasn't for me. Um, now I have done some management roles since then. In fact, I'm in one, uh, now, uh, because I'm a, I'm a small business owner with employees and contractors and, you know, and so on. It's a little, it's a different context. You know, it's not like some big org where I'm, you know, stuck in the kind of a middle management role. It's a different thing, but I'm doing that now, but it's different now that I'm almost 50 years old as opposed to being, you know, kind of like around 30 years old. But back then, man, that was not the thing for me. And I didn't know what had to go through it to get to that point where I understood that I really enjoyed that individual contributor role. That's really what I wanted to do. I love the nerd stuff. I still love the nerd stuff. In fact, when I'm doing things today, like dealing with accounting or working with uh, my tax human to help me get taxes done each year or whatever it is that that is involved with running a small business, I resent all of that stuff because I'd rather be like hacking a script together to automate something for me or, you know, banging together a lab so I can, you know, put a new lesson out in some course I'm trying to build or something. And I get, I can't do a lot of that stuff because of the things that are required when you're in a managerial role. So I, I guess, Ned, the, for me, the, the big lesson here was you, you got to learn what, <laughs> it's not about being in charge, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's not. It, and it's not about making a little more money, you know, in the manager role. It's about what you find fulfilling and what is enjoyable to you and holds your attention in the job. And if you think the manager role is the natural evolution of what you're doing now, I mean, maybe depending on the organization, but I would say be really careful and know exactly what you're getting into and be honest with yourself before you go down that, go down that role. We pause the episode for a bit of training talk, training with CBT Nuggets. If you're a day two cloud listener, you are, you're listening to it right now, then you're probably the sort of person who likes to keep up your skills as am I. Now, here's the thing about cloud as I've dug into it over the last few years. It's the same as on-prem, but different. The networking is the same, but different due to all these operational constraints you don't expect. And just when you have your favorite way to set up your cloud environment, the cloud provider changes things or offers a new service that makes you rethink what you've already built. So how do you keep up with this? Training. And this is an ad for a training company. So what did you think I was going to say? Obviously training. And not just because sponsor CBT Nuggets wants your business, but also because training is how I've kept up with emerging technology over the decades. I believe in the power of smart instructors telling me all about the new tech so that I can walk into a conference room as a consultant or a project lead and confidently position a technology to business stakeholders and financial decision makers. So you want to be smarter about cloud? CBT Nuggets has a lot of offerings for you from absolute beginner material to courses covering AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud skills. 
Let's say you want to go narrow on a specific topic. Okay, well, there's a two-hour course on Azure security. Maybe you want to go big, wide. All righty, there's a 42-hour AWS certified SysOps administrator course and lots more cloud training offerings in the CBT Nuggets catalog. I gave you just a couple of examples to whet your appetite. In fact, CBT Nuggets is adding 40 hours of new content every week, and they help you master your studies with available virtual labs and accountability coaching. Interested? Of course you are, so satisfy your curious mind by visiting cbtnuggets.com slash cloud and figure out if CBT Nuggets will work for your training with their seven days free trial. Just go do it. cbtnuggets.com slash cloud for seven days free. That's cbtnuggets.com slash cloud. And now back to the podcast I so rudely interrupted. Right. I want to pick apart the the two things you mentioned in terms of what you thought the role was versus what it actually turned out to be. So you mentioned the idea of a tech lead, which is what you're kind of looking at. And then the fact that this was actually truly a management position. Yes. So what do you what are the key differences between those two positions in in your opinion? A tech lead to me is the person who Deeply understands the business, so they're they're first and foremost they're they're more of a you know an engineer architect sort of a mindset. Uh, number one, so they're they're deeply technical, they're deeply trained, they probably have a lot of experience in their field. They know eh, maybe they know certain products well, but they really understand IT well. They are also competent with some project management. They know how to understand what a business is looking for with a project and how to use technology to bring that project to bear and uh, and then deliver that project in a coordinated step-by-step way that it can be feathered into the business uh, or cut over to, but in some kind of a graceful way that's minimally disruptive to the business. And... Uh, that tech lead can bring all of the other people on the team that are required to bring that project to life, bring them along and have them understand their roles and have them know how they fit into things and keep all of them updated on where we're at with the project and keep the vendors that are involved uh, tied into this thing and understand where the deliverables are. So it, it's a lot of things. It's technology. It's mentoring, it's project management skills, it's keeping the business updated on where things are at. So it's it's a very complex role, but it is focused on the implementation of technology in such a way that you, you have to understand the technology very deeply and how it applies to the business. A manager role isn't that if it's purely a manager role. A manager, an IT manager to me, might manage that tech lead but that manager doesn't necessarily probably doesn't know the technology as deeply as that tech lead does. Right. They don't, they don't necessarily need to because they're focused on other aspects of the the business and the organization. Would you say that someone in a tech lead role has direct reports or they just have people that they work with who are maybe on their team for a project and it's the manager who actually has them as direct reports? It depends a little bit on the organization, but I think it's probably the latter where you're working with people that are on your team and you've been assigned a tech lead, probably in the context of a project to get that project done. You probably don't have direct reports, but I have seen in some larger organizations where just the sheer number of people that are involved and the number of engineers that might be on a team, it could be that you're a tech lead and you do 
have tech reports, but functionally your managerial role, again, is more of that tech lead and not uh, the people manager um, business interaction kind of component like we think of with more of a traditional IT manager. But I, I think that's really large orgs where they're trying to stick to a, a more reasonable ratio of direct reports where managers get overwhelmed. I think the rule of thumb is like one to seven. Mm-hmm. If you've got more than seven direct reports, it kind of gets tough as a manager to keep up and give all the people and the business, et cetera, the attention that they need. And so, again, I've seen that broken out sometimes like, okay, you're a tech lead, but I got to stick these people under you because I just can't, I can't keep up with it all. I've actually been in that situation a couple of times. And then I just had, you know, like a couple of people that were uh, assigned to me kind of thing, not, you know, a whole squadron of uh, folks (laughs) (laughs) that were there. Yeah. So I had a similar sort of situation when I was working at a VAR. I was in a, initially I started on as just a senior consultant. Right, an individual contributor who would work on projects and try to accomplish whatever that project was, even if the sales guy had way overpromised. Not that that happened a lot. It did. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so that was my initial role. And then what I ended up doing beyond that was then I got moved up to a, uh, I forget what the actual title, I think it was architect was what they gave me after that. And that was a bit of the tech lead role that you're describing, where I would be leading a project from the technical side. So we had a project manager who was responsible for scheduling and mapping out tasks and all that kind of stuff. But she relied on me to map out all the technical components of the project and interact with the folks at the client and talk to them and figure out what actually needed to be done. And then she would help. Well, it she or he, because we actually had both, (laughs) they would figure out exactly how to organize those tasks into a way that met the schedule that the client wanted and, you know, would help lead some of some some of those types of meetings. So it was a bit of a combination. Was your tech lead role, would you say, partly dealing with new technology? That is something that was a technology not established in the organization, but it seemed like the right thing. And it was up to you to kind of figure it out and bring everybody else along. Absolutely. So a good example would be we were making the transition to a lot more cloud-based projects, you know, Azure, AWS type projects. It was incumbent on me to make sure I understood those technologies and was able to bring other people up to speed on it or point them in the right direction. Hey, this project's coming up. You need to learn X, Y, and Z because it's going to be applicable to this project. Like we're going to do this project and it's going to be heavily focused on Office 365 and specifically DLP. So I need you to go learn everything you can about DLP. I'll learn the 100, 200 level of it. And then I need you to go learn the 300 level because I'm going to be helping you, but it's up to you to actually implement that task. So that that was kind of what I did as a tech lead. It was a little bit of professional development with the folks that I was working with, but none of them were my direct reports. And at the end of the project, they would go work on a different project and have a, maybe a different tech lead that was working with them. And then I... I won't say I outgrew the role, but I was ready for something a little bit different or to expand what I was doing. And I came to a a fork in the road. I could wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So there's a change in your thinking here. You, you were in a position as a tech lead with lots of responsibility, Mm -hmm. intellectual challenge, and just things to keep it interesting. If you're the kind of person that likes to learn new technology, you're having to, in some capacity, mentor other people, kind of get them up and going on some of the new stuff. 
and you're de- doing deliverables for customers. So that had to keep you pretty engaged because if you're at yeah. a VAR, that's that, that I never did more learning faster than when I was working <laughs> at a VAR. But you wanted more? So what, explain that to me. Okay, yeah, then that's the weirdest thing, right? Because when I go back and reflect on this, I guess it it all stems back from this idea that you should be constantly moving up in your career, that there's a trajectory that you're following. And it started at the very beginning. You know, I got into tech at the help desk level. So I was a help desk, you know, a level one help desk person fielding calls that came in from, you know, I was working for a retail organization. So people who couldn't work the register, basically, you know, <laughs> right. Uh, and trying to explain to them the difference between a PS2 and a USB connector and a serial cable. So that that was, you know, the level that I, I started at. And I quickly moved out of that into level two and then level three help desk where I got moved out of the bullpen and into my own little cubicle. And they would only bug me when there was a real big problem. And mm-hmm. then you know, the guys who ran the server room started asking me to help out with server room type tasks. Hey, can you reboot this server for us? Can you patch this domain controller, whatever it was? And then that parlayed into desktop support and actual server admin and becoming more of a sysadmin network person. And that just seemed to be a natural, I'm moving forward in my career. I'm moving up the rungs. And then I went to go work for a larger organization, once again, starting to move up the rungs there. And then I went to go work for the VAR. And now, I, you know, I started at a senior consultant. I've made it up to architect. What's the next thing? I guess that was the thing. I always had it in my mind. I should be progressing to the next level. It's like playing, uh, it's like playing an RPG, right? Like I'm level <laughs> 70 right now and I got to get to level 80. And that's the wrong way to think about it. And I... It, it, on personal reflection, going back to what was happening at the time, I didn't see it then. At that point, I was like, well, I'm level 70, got to get to level 80 and level 80. Well, that just looks like whatever the next position is beyond what I'm doing to now. Was was money a component of this for you? I, money's always a component, right? There's definitely, yeah. with any organization, there's going to be salary bands for each position, right? And if you want to break through, if you're at the top of that salary band and you want to break through to the next one, you have to accept a position that's quote unquote higher up, whatever that might look like, whether it's management or something completely different within the organization. So that was part of it. Absolutely. I was like, yeah, hey, I want to make more money. Yeah, uh, but it was the same for me. It was one org guy took a new job in part because there wasn't any way to get me more money in the salary band I was in. I'd kind of maxed it out. There wasn't really anywhere to go. And they said, well, we could make you a manager um, that gives you some other responsibilities. It was more of a tech lead kind of a thing. It wasn't, a, you know, an overly bad fit. It came with the baggage of having to deal with the administration of the organization and such quarterly reviews and setting your uh, what was it QBOs quarterly business objectives for different mm-hmm. people and reviewing them and you know and stuff like that. But it wasn't that bad, and it did get me a bump into more money. Was it worth it? Eh, you know, 50-50 on that particular one. But but yeah, I just I, I asked that question because that was always a big thing for me. It's always a struggle to get paid more, and I always felt like, man, I'm giving a lot to the organization, and I want more money for them to just show their <laughs> love and appreciation for what I'm bringing to the table. Yeah, yeah, I, that's definitely part of it. But for me, I think it was more about the recognition that you're doing a good job and we're going to promote you because you're doing a good job. And the money's nice, but you know, there is that certain point you reach with a salary where you're living comfortably and any additional increase is nice. 
like you're not going to turn it down, but it's not going to be life changing. And so it, it certainly wasn't that I, I had moved beyond that point where a salary bump was going to be life changing. And it was more just a recognition of, hey, you're doing a good job and we want to promote you to acknowledge that. So you're at level 70, you're trying to get to level 80, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So was there a role you took that, what, you regretted it? I, I did regret taking the role, but it wasn't actually a management role. <laughs> mm. So I did wrestle with, do I want to go into management? Or there was the opportunity to move into, we had started a product solutions group that was focused on developing new solutions to sell out to the clients, uh, especially around services. Do I want to try to spearhead that or do I want to move into more of a management role? That was the decision I had to make. And I had to think back on my previous experience in management. And I hadn't done management in IT, but prior to my life in IT, I actually worked in retail at Hot Topic. I don't know if you've Ooh, ever yeah. heard of it. <laughs> oh boy, have I ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so this was, you know, prime hot topic. So 98 through 2002-ish era. I worked there starting as a assistant manager and then moving up to store manager. And at the time, I had not broken into tech and wasn't even sure that's what I wanted to do. And for a little while there, I thought I actually wanted to have a long-term career in retail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you think- I've seen pictures of you from this era, Ned. So I can I can kind of imagine this version of you and how you're thinking. There are yeah. pictures, people. There are pictures of Ned, and they're not the way he looks now. <laughs> Once again, it's that I'm at level 50 and I want to move to level 60. So I was an assistant <laughs> manager and I wanted to be a store manager. And then I was a store manager. And the next thing in their progression was becoming a training store manager where they send other newly hired managers to be trained by you in the ways of hot topic management. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, you became an area or a district manager. And then there was something above that. I don't remember what it was, but that for me, okay, that's the clear progression. That's the leveling. So I'm a store manager. Now I need to level up to a training store manager. And <laughs> just that way you think it's, it's I'm, I'm very similar. It's like, no wonder we've done all these certifications over our careers. It's like there's a ladder. I can climb the ladder. <laughs> <laughs> it's why I've poured 80 hours into Final Fantasy VII, okay? It's just, <laughs> this is the way that things, this is the way. <laughs> so, mm. And fortunately, I had a really good district manager, uh, this woman, Pam, who took me aside and kind of said, you should quit and go do something else. That was basically, like, she didn't say it in that many words, but she sort of indicated like, yes, you could probably do this if you made yourself, but I think you could do something else and be happier. And I'm not going to tell you what that thing is, but you should go do whatever that thing is. And she knew that I'd gone back to school to get my associate's degree in computer. It wasn't computer science, but it was like computer systems or something. And that maybe that was the direction I should be headed in. And, and, you know, she was probably in her fifties. So you know, she'd had some life experience and she could, you know, see where I could go as opposed to where I was headed. <laughs> so that was nice. And uh, fortunately, I sort of did take that advice. She also transferred me to a different store. That was a longer commute to make life harder for me. And I think that was part of her little <laughs> part of her plan. I'm going to make it hard enough for him that he's going to do something else and and move on with his life beyond hot topic. And six months later, I quit and go, went to go work for the help desk and the rest is history. Uh, oh. But reflecting back on being a store manager 
and having to manage people and try to grow them, training my assistant managers and all the business and operations stuff that went with being a store manager, I reflected on all that and said, you know what? I actually didn't enjoy it all that much. I was not very happy being a manager and, and being responsible for all these direct reports and whatnot. So maybe what I should do is go into this product development role instead. And so that's what I did. So I was, I was able to look back on previous management experience and be like, you know what? Just not for me. And that was okay. Like I didn't have to become a manager and I'm, I'm glad I made that realization. But you said there was regret by taking the product management role or product uh, development role. Oh, yeah. Well, I just realized that I don't like to sit in meetings, you know, se seven <laughs> okay. hours out of the day and blue skying new technologies and working with very closely with salespeople who refuse to understand or read the product briefs that I'd written. So <laughs> that was that was a different type of regret. Mm. But I think if I had taken the management position and hadn't been able to do it in a wholehearted way, I would have, it would have been a disservice to all of the folks who were now my direct reports because they would not have the support that they needed to do their jobs effectively. I think that's forcing yourself into a management role that you're not prepared or are not going to enjoy or give it your all is going to be a disservice to everyone else that is going to be working for you. But we're not saying, Ned, that isn't for everybody. There are people listening here who maybe staying as an individual com contributor is the right thing. You know, if I was to rejoin an IT group, I, I might take on a management role in the right sort of an organization, but I'd probably be happiest as, a, as an individual contributor. But there are people we know who have made the jump from individual contributor to manager and have done very well with it. And in an upcoming show, we're going to be interviewing a couple of those folks, one of whom, Josh O'Brien, I've worked for, where he he was a manager that hired me, and uh, and I, I I can't wait for him to tell some of. He's got stories, man. <laughs> he's but it takes a certain kind of personality to really excel at that. And Josh is one of those people who uh, who's really got that strength of character and the right mindset to excel, you know, in that management role. And he was he was an individual contributor for. It. He worked for a VAR for a lot of years doing, you know, super nerd stuff. He still has to do the nerd stuff and understand all that stuff. But um while I shouldn't give you too much of a preview and we'll let Josh <laughs> speak for himself in that upcoming show. And who's our other guest in that show going to be? That's uh, Greg Colburn and he runs a team at Dell EMC and I almost joined that team shortly before I decided to go and, and work for myself, in part because of Greg and his inner during our interviews, I got to know him a little bit. And I was just like, I would love to work for this guy. So when I was weighing the calculus of going and work for myself versus going and working for a vendor, one of the things that heavily weighed on the scale of going to work for a vendor was just speaking to Greg and the other people who were working for him and going, well, I'd have a really good boss if I made that decision. And ultimately, you know, obviously I decided to strike out on myself. But when I thought of people who I think are strong managers who have made that transition from a technical role to a managerial role, he was one of the people that came up on my mind. And I said, we, sh we should have him on this show as well. So it's, it's going to be the two of them, Greg and Josh, talking about how <laughs> successful they are as managers and why we suck so much. <laughs> Maybe look for that show about a month from now, uh, based on what our production calendar is and what the schedule is. That's what we got coming up. I think it'll be the 18th of August when we release this show. So sorry if it seems like an overly long preview of when we're going to get that. <laughs> but uh, 
but that's coming soon. So uh, of course you're, of course, of course you're subscribed to Day Two Cloud already. Uh, of course, so you're course going you to get it. So all, all you got to do is just tell all your friends to subscribe to Day Two Cloud as well. <laughs> oh, we should do the YouTube thing and hit that like button and uh, and so on. Yeah, and hit the notification bell. Oh, I'll, we don't have one of those, do we? <laughs> we, don't, we don't have one of those. No. <laughs> Well, we hope you enjoyed this show with Ned and I uh, chatting about uh, some of our experiences with management and so on, and that you are looking forward to the show. If this is a, a career transition that you are thinking about making, that you'll get some wisdom coming up to help you make that call to move from individual contributor to manager. Virtual high fives to you for uh, for listening to the show all the way to the end. Well done. Well done, you. You are awesome. If you would like to engage the Packet Pushers community more, meet some other Day 2 Cloud folks, maybe you also listen to Heavy Networking, Full Stack Journey, and some of the other shows that are in our catalog, well, hey, go over to our Slack channel, packetpushers.net slash Slack. You can join there for free. Read the rules. There's a few of them. But uh, as long as you obey the rules, you can engage with all the other people that are in the Packet Pushers community there in our community Slack group. We have a newsletter too, Human Infrastructure Magazine. In Human Infrastructure Magazine, we find the very best of the internet for people who are engineers. Uh, lots of articles that we we scan the RS feeds for and look for the best stuff, the stuff that's most interesting, things that will help you in your professional career development. Last but not least, remember that cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans.